0: On this episode of AV Week, the AV industry already getting ready for 8K and the infrastructure to support it, creating exceptional AR and VR experiences. And what's trending in the world of AV? All that and more. Next on AV Week,
1: the network for the AV industry.
0: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is this AV, A-V Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 401, recorded Friday, May 3rd, 2019, on the horizon. Support for AV Nation is brought to
1: you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by AV Pro Edge, manufacturer of next-level
0: video distribution solutions. And by Audio, a leading manufacturer
1: of professional PTZ cameras, Pro AV Solutions, and UCC integration systems.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we gathered for this week. First and foremost, uh, Mr. Uh, Brock McGinnis from Westbury National. Welcome, sir. Good to be here, Tim. Always a pleasure. Oh, yeah, always thank you so much. Uh, also with us is a young man that uh, has not been on for quite a while. Uh, his name is Joel Bilheimer from Pershing Technology. Welcome, sir. Uh,
2: thank you, Tim. And I greatly appreciate being referred to as young. I will tell my children that. Uh, you are the youngest person on this call, I do believe. So. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: think, I think you have me beat by like two or three months, so we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, the left-hand side of my brain, his name is George Tucker, and he works for Sound Associates. Welcome, sir.
3: Hello. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, first story he, we have uh, coming up actually comes from, from ABNation, uh, .TV, uh Talking about Kramer's new 8K uh, multi-format um, switcher, uh, real Quickly, um, as, a, as a kind of a disclaimer, Kramer is an underwriter uh, of Aviation. Uh, they announced this week that it will be showing off a new 8K multi-format digital matrix switcher. Uh, the unit will be modular, meaning you can uh, take the ins and outs and kind of be swapped around. Uh, they support HDMI, HD T, DG Cat, Fiber, DVI, VGA, and SDI, which is an awful lot. Uh, Brock, I'm going to start with you on this. When in the process of moving from one resolution to another, meaning we've, we've kind of, some, some folks are, are kind of already getting into 8K, so the resolution we're moving from, was crazy as it sounds, is the 4K, moving in the 8K. When in that process do we need infrastructure uh, supporting the larger resolution?
1: Uh, as an integrator, I think we have to start uh, thinking about the cable plant okay. uh, and ensuring that you know, the glass that we're putting in or the copper that we're putting in uh, is going to be capable in future uh, of handling 8K. Um, the, uh, uh, we don't have any 8K requirement on our horizon right now, um, but it is something that, uh, you know, uh, kind of tech smart, tech savvy customers are begin- beginning to ask about. And uh, so we're, uh, uh, we're considering that in our designs. All right. Mr. Tucker, um, what sort of, of
0: content is out there right now? Or are we just, you know, putting, you know, as Brock said, making sure the cable plant is in place for when the content does get there?
3: Uh, uh, well, I'm not clear on normal content, but I did read just recently that uh, is it PlayStation or the Xbox coming out will have an 8K output. Yeah. That's the uh, PS5. The PS5. Yep. Next year. Go. I'm an Xbox guy as much as I'm not brand-centric usually. I'm an Xbox guy. Um, but... And as you well know tim i'm will, i'm will, i am actually looking forward to battlefield five or four or one in uh in a k it might just be interesting <laughs> so no I haven't seen a heck of a lot um i've i also heard a lot of, like in medical i've heard some of medical stuff medical exploratory surgery um, cameras being out there but that's about that's about all i've seen
0: all right. uh Joel we will wrap up with you on this uh, you you work um a lot in the in the government field um is this something that they're already looking at or maybe they're already looking at uh, I guess the next step would be 16k? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I mean obviously there are certain specialized applications that, uh, that the government or the military customer base will use um, for you know various reasons, uh, particularly high resolution mapping, things like that. Um I would say I would definitely second um the uh the PlayStation concept but uh, push that kind of in the realm of esports. I think um obviously the government doesn't have like usual there but uh but I think esports is definitely a growing area and uh that that would be probably one of the main commercial markets. Um and then one of the other areas I would th- think would be um uh oil and gas um you know energy companies they have uh, a huge need for geological mapping um which is very power intensive and uh and there's there's a lot of attention paid to to 3d modeling in that environment and so i would think that AK would be uh, a need for them as much as a one
0: uh, to drill down for a second though on on the esports thing this is something that uh, honestly i've seen two sides of this debate one side that says yes it's an absolute uh, vertical that we should be going after as, a, as an av industry and the other side that says well it's just kids playing games and there's no there's no there's no there there
3: right <laughs> it's a billion dollar kids playing game that's what it is
2: well and 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 you've got george tucker playing games and no disrespect that he's no kid <laughs> um but but i think you know i think the issue there is um you know people who say it's just kids playing games you know, that's what it was 30 years ago. Um, this is an industry that, that makes a ton of money. I mean, you know, you can be a professional video gamer and not just someone who's on, who streams on Twitch or something, you know, you can earn a hundred thousand dollars with, you know, with prize money and branding. Um, as a, as a 16 year old kid. Um, but you know, and unfortunately gamers do tend to be young because of the reflexes and the, you know, hand eye coordination that's required. But, you know, we're also, I mean, going back to your question about, about government, you know, that is, a, that is actually a recruiting tool now for, uh, for the military. Um, you know, you don't have to necessarily train a fighter pilot because, or a drone pilot because you've got, uh, someone who's already got better, uh, physical skills, and they've been training for 10 years. Um, you know, it's anyone who, who looks at that and says, eh, you know, I don't care about it. You know, fine. I'll take your business because you're, you're really missing out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, next story here comes to us from our
0: friends over at AV Magazine. Phillips is launching an augmented reality display configurator. Uh, commercial integrators can use a mobile device uh, to tell where and how digital signage would look on a particular wall or space. Uh, point out the obvious, but it would be Philips displays. Uh, customers though can walk through, quote unquote, the experience to kind of see exactly how the installation would work. Uh, Mr. Tucker, we'll, we'll start with you on this. How can integrators capitalize on AR, on
3: augmented reality? So that's one of those things that I've been trying to, to write about for a while, like we, we've written about drones and I, you can never see an application. but. This virtual reality, augmented reality stuff, I think has a lot of potential for the business, especially this, walking through a client and saying, hey, here's what it looks like in your environment. This is not just a molded, modeled workspace. This is in your house. This is in your office. And you can see exactly where that placement would be. And I think that's a huge benefit to selling the product or selling the service because you can, I mean, it just, it really does have that impact. Um, I also think it's really, really going to be something that we see with the glasses that we're going to be selling these things to technical services people. So you have to get something done and do it in a certain order. Those glasses will be connected to something that, with the augmentation, will be able to map what you're looking at and it guides you to exactly where you need to go. Sort of teaching grandma which button to push on the remote, I guess, is the, the technical one you could use there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see selling this. When I worked in staging, we would try to show people the stagecraft with this sort of wire frame and some skins on it and a nice picture and say, here's your booth. And we found an incredible amount of return when we would put it into an actual 3D model that they actually looked at. And sometimes we put glasses on and sometimes it was just on a really large screen, but that effect can sell more than almost anything I've ever seen. And I think it's going to be a huge, it's just, it's a great product to to put out there. I would love to see it. Well, it
0: it helps also kind of, it, it takes, um, the, the idea from a CSI spec and actually gives, you know, folks a real world, you know, mm-hmm. um, visual of, of what you're talking about, what you're designing.
3: In the comfort of your own home.
0: In the, <laughs> or, or your office. You've been, um, Joel, same kind of question. Uh, Where can, where can integrators go with, with this sort of technology?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I I definitely agree with what, what George was describing. You know, um, I will say there are elements to that, uh, that are not new. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, I, I was working on, at a particular government agency um, back in 2006, and we used a, a Second Life instance to do exactly that—to show to uh, various various individuals at, at the at the facility and in the power structure, you know what um, what their new facility was going to look like, how they would interact with it. Now, obviously, you know that was using the technology that existed 13 years ago, but. Uh, I do think this speaks directly to um, to what Avixa is going for, right? Uh, you know customer experience if you If you are really going to immerse your customer in the end product, then you have to start immersing them at the beginning of the process as well. Um, so uh, you know I mean I, I think it's great. Um, I think it's you know probably two years from now we're going to look back and think, oh, how quaint that Philips AR tool was because there's going to be dozens, if not hundreds more exactly like it. Brock, what other uses
0: should uh, integrators start looking for when it comes to AR? And honestly, let's not you know let's not forget the fact that VR is still out there and as a viable uh, technology as well. But what what
1: other use cases should we should we look for? Um, the uh, I hope I never have a client that is so stupid that they need to imagine what the TV is going to look like on their wall. Um, because that, you know, it's a physical device. Uh, You can look at the TV, you can look at the wall, and you really should be able to figure that out. Um, There are other things that we do, though, uh, particularly those involving light, um, that do require uh, visualization. And anything that is spatial, and George would have... uh, you know, experience this in the stage world as, uh, as well, the theater world. Um, a lot of what happens, uh, happens in lighting actually happens between, uh, the tops of people's heads and the ceiling. I mean, we're, you're creating a three-dimensional canvas, um, that, uh, uh, that is, it can be exploited with motion and color and, and the creation of depth perception and clients have a real difficult time, uh, you know, seeing that and understanding it. So from a, um, uh, I, I think if we're doing something, uh, an installed system that is going to be incredibly different, difficult to visualize, uh, then We'll do some sort of AR model or or demonstration. Uh, we recently did a 3D projection mapping demonstration uh, using a Pico projector and a foam model, uh, so that the client would understand, you know, what was what it was uh, going to be like on their structure. Um, but uh, in the staging world, uh, I'm pretty sure that our lighting and effects people are doing this now all the time. Um, uh, in in trying to help uh, ensure that clients understand exactly what they're getting, without us having to build the whole system, cheaper to render uh, in software, and there are lots of tools that are available for that. This um, this Philips piece doesn't wow me, uh, and a Philips TV doesn't look any different than anybody else's TV. So um, the uh, this is this is just this is a a marketing piece. And uh, I don't think that it moves technology or the world uh, ahead very much, but uh, um, but uh, helping helping people visualize in three dimensions is a big deal. Yeah. Did I read?
3: Uh, maybe I didn't read the article in depth enough. I thought I did, but I thought it would also present some of the content you would put on those walls with it, so that you get a better visualization of how that works to your lighting and the effect that has in the room. I, I thought that was part of it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, i think that it's, would be something i would look for because you're right i would agree that just putting a tv <laughs> on the wall doesn't do <laughs> a heck of a lot <laughs> no yeah. and just don't put it impact, above the fireplace
1: and the impact the tv is going to have on the rest of the room is not all that sparky yeah. either yeah yeah so. all right uh final story here
0: guys is uh, it comes to us from from av network and scn it's a recap of the weekly conversation on sunday mornings uh called av in the am if you are not familiar <laughs> with AV in the AM um, and you are on Twitter. Um, so those two, those, those two qualifiers right there, if you're not on Twitter, um, you know, you can at least you know, get on Twitter and, and follow the hashtag. Uh, AV in the AM was started and is moderated weekly by Chris Netto, uh, who's now at and Marketing. Chris typically puts out three or four questions about the AV industry on Sunday morning, typically around 7 a.m. Eastern ish. Um, Twitter users then can join or just follow the conversation using the hashtag AV in the AM. This past week, though, uh, he had a conversation on emerging trends in the industry. Conversation began with Chris asking what trends members of the community had seen thus far. Answers ranged from esports back to uh, uh, Mr. Bellheimer's point to more mergers and acquisitions. So I will ask all of you and Joel, we'll start with you. What trends
2: are you seeing this year? Well, so I know that this is going to sound to Tim and George and anyone else who remembers the last five or six times I've been on this show or who've read articles that I've written with Tim. Um, I do actually believe that product security is starting to enter into the audiovisual marketplace. Um... Now, obviously coming from a government perspective, it is a standard requirement for for our products, but um, we are starting to see a recognition, uh, particularly with the expansion of IoT, that uh, even embedded products, particularly products uh, that like audiovisual products happen to have exceptionally high bandwidths uh, that go across networks, um, are inviting uh, targets for Hackers and uh, and other malicious actors, and so that that is one trend that's especially coming out of, of the financial services industry, um, but also just general corporate security. That we're seeing uh, requests coming into our company and and into some of our clients, uh, specifically for non governmental security uh, certifications and uh, and hardening practices. Uh, and we're we actually doing some consulting, actually, with, uh, with uh, academic institutions and, and some financial institutions on, on how to do that, uh, both at the component level, at the system level, and also at the operational level. Um, so, so I would say that that, you know, again, I know it sounds like I'm finally, you know, tooting my own horn, but, uh, but I do believe that that is a trend that uh, as time has come and which will continue, uh, very strong. Uh, what I, what I will also say is that the trend towards, um, cloud services goes hand in hand with that. Um, I'll, I'll certainly let, uh, let the other guests talk a little bit more, but, uh, but I think cloud AV is a, is a capability and a a practice who hasn't quite come yet, but in a, in a couple of years, I think that's going to be much, much bigger. And I would agree with you. And the one
0: thing I would, I would point out the fact that the department of defense uh, is getting ready to award a eight or $9 billion contract for cloud computing. Uh, and the last two um, participants in that, in that battle is Amazon
2: and Microsoft. Uh, and yes. Yeah. And you're, the OD is actually, you're talking the, uh, the Jedi. There's actually, there's actually two contracts, believe it or not. Um, there's the Jedi contract, which is the one you're talking about um, where, uh, Amazon is the projected odds-on favorite, and Microsoft Azure is uh, really the only other competitor. Oracle and Google claim to be, but but realistically aren't. Um, and then the other one is an $8 billion contract called BIOS for Defense Enterprise Office Services. Um, and that uh, is probably going to uh, you know, my guess is that'll end up being a Microsoft solution for, you know, Skype and Teams and things like that. So um, yeah, in, in the course of one year, you're going, or maybe two years, depending on the timeline, you're probably going to have $18 billion in cloud money uh, that are specifically targeted for DoD. Yeah. And, and you know, in other words, the government is finally doing
0: cloud, which is, would, would from a security standpoint, to me says that, that there's, at least a, a level of security that they're comfortable with. Absolutely, absolutely. Mr. McGinnis, same question.
1: What trends? Uh, what trends are you seeing? Um, so I have the advantage of uh, being an active participant uh, yes. in AV and the AM. Um, we, uh, uh, some of us uh, in corporate enterprise AV, talked a lot about um, how everybody wants to jump on the uh, jump on the bandwagon with uh, teams or zoom or uh, one of the other soft conferencing products and link their product to uh, uh, the kind of conferencing software that people seem inclined to use these days and uh, uh, and that's a good thing because the uh, adoption rate is just accelerating like crazy um, but it's uh, it's being interesting seeing the dance amongst AV manufacturers to uh, stumble over themselves to have new, da- new partners. Yeah. And, 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 and to, to,
2: to Brock's point, I would take that as a warning because, um, if you, if you are, uh, a, a small to mid market integrator, for example, and you're used to building out these spaces, well, now a piece of software, a webcam and a laptop can do 90% of what the customer wants. So, if you can't figure out, to, to, again, to Brock's point, how to capture that and how to take advantage of that and how to integrate that maybe at an enterprise level or with some kind of value add or services capability,
1: um, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Uh, so that ship sailed quite some time ago, Joel. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and most of us actually have figured out um, that uh, 10% of the rooms are going to be complex and expensive and need us. And 90% of the rooms um, are going to be fairly simple and might not need us. But if we're great service providers and we're convenient and we can respond quickly and we're affordable, the same people who buy the 10% expensive rooms are going to continue to buy the 90% uh, inexpensive rooms. And the the thing about it being 90% is people just can't get enough of those rooms now. Um, and it's, you know, uh, companies adding, can I get four more meeting rooms? Can I get six more meeting rooms? Which is fantastic. Uh, cause more and more people are using video, uh, just like we are today and, and are comfortable doing so. Um, I, uh, you know, I made a, uh, sales presentation to a room full of people yesterday. We couldn't get our, our schedules to coordinate that was done on zoom. Um, and, uh, and was at least a good experience for everybody involved, uh, um, you know, doing it by video as, as it would have been in person and probably saved me $38 in parking.
0: That's, that's a good, that right Alone. there. Yeah, seriously, that, that right there is indication that of, you know, Brock's point the fact that, that more and more people are adding these, you know, every single day. All right, Mr. Tucker, last word on this. Uh, what are the trends?
3: Well, so I, all that that Brock and Joel have talked about, I think is, is spot on. But something that I've been noticing, and this is a little bit off the beaten path, as I'm wanted to do, uh, is understanding that a lot of the gear we remove is still usable. The waste that we produce is enormous. And it's not just in the packaging, and it's not just in the, the, the cabling you know, that we, we have to just toss. I am seeing a lot of people talk about, hey, look what I just removed. And people are trying to find a use for it. And I think there's a secondary market or at least a reuse market in, in recognizing how we throw away so much stuff and we need to be more attentive to it. Um, we're not quite a green industry. And we make a lot of money on saying, oh, those TVs are old and that, that, that audio system is old. Rip it all out, throw it in the bin, throw it in the dumpster, throw it in the landfill, and let's put in this new shiny whatever's. And you're happier and it sounds better and it does more and yay. But I am watching that. I am watching a lot of people find record players or old amplifiers that are still good. They're just not good for the application that they're putting a replacement in for now.
1: So what should I do with my 50 inch plasma that is currently sitting in a corner of my house? Well, Um, it doesn't work. Send it to me. No, no. It's a plasma. Oh, absolutely, absolutely it works. There
3: are people who love plasmas. That's almost like an addiction of people. Yeah, this is Tim. Tim is raising his hand here on the video portion of it.
1: Now, Ryan, I know it, guys, it's will... a 720 plasma, and it doesn't oh. have HDMI in it. Well, that's – well, you can go well, – you know, a DVI, so you're going to have to have audio and video different. Okay. But... Yeah. Mm, it's not DVI either. This was uh, not a digital input device. How is it? Does it have component, or is it just like an
0: S, an, an S video connector, or a uh, VGA? VG. Well, VGA. Uh,
3: interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yes, and we need to be. More, what do we do with it? That's my question. All right. What do we do with it? It's going to go in a landfill. Plasma and what that's made of is not the nicest stuff in the world. And I'm not trying to be a tree hugging green green here, but when you're throwing away perfectly good amplifiers or perfectly good, you know, speaker systems that could be reused for some other purpose. Yes, finding that purpose can be difficult, but I see a lot of guys talking about the vintage gear and wanting something to do with it.
0: Okay, but hang over Vintage gear is, and maybe it's because of, of my age, vintage gear to me does not mean a plasma, as much as I do love them. Uh, vintage gear means tubes, you know, tube, tube amp. Well, yes. And but, to, you know, one of your favorite things,
1: weighted knobs. Can, can I interest <laughs> you in a blue 160? <laughs>
3: But what, so but the larger question in that is, vintage is vintage, there's an attraction to it, right? But what do we do with this stuff? what do we do to solve this problem of always replacing that our business is based on throwing things out and replacing it with shiny new? No,
1: so, so the metal <laughs> bits, um, the province of Canada that I live in, uh, Ontario, um, we have an electronic stewardship uh, and recycling program for electronics. They, uh, uh, none of that stuff ends up in landfill at all. Mm. Um, the, uh, the metal is, of course, all recyclable. The plastic is virtually all recyclable. Um, glass is recyclable, and all of the metal bit you know the the uh, rare metal bits uh are melted out. so mm. you know there is something that we can do with uh with electronics yeah. i
2: i I think it brings up an interesting point and 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 i don't I don't disagree with what we're saying about recycling physical devices, but I think it does speak to the way that our systems have been designed uh and implemented of course over the life of our industry. And George, I don't know if if this is the direction that you were kind of going, but I think one way to respond to that is to say, well, we have focused so much on having every single part of the chain from source to destination from ingest to, to display, uh, be, a new thing every single time. And also that the, that those components uh, are, are obviously sold by, by vendors, they're installed by integrators, they're maintained by service providers. But if you couple that with some of the other trends we're talking about, whether it's, whether it's cloud uh, or mobility, which we, which we didn't really touch on, um, you know, all of that, uh, all of that infrastructure, can be handled by other components, other systems in probably better and certainly more efficient way. So it, it may mean to your point that we're looking at, we're not looking at owning the center anymore. Um, Whether that's because of cloud, whether it's because of a green approach, whether it's because of cost efficiencies um, or any other number of factors, it may mean that we focus pretty much exclusively on the edge. And, and, and Tim, you know, I think that is the biggest trend. Um, and that's not just a one-year trend. That's probably a five-year trend, maybe a 10-year trend, but I think AV is very, very close to the tipping point of being an edge only industry. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That, that, that'll
0: be kind of where we put it there. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Mr. Brock McGinnis. Thank you for joining us, sir. A
1: pleasure as always. Thank you, Tim. It's, uh, it's been a while. I think we missed a cycle or two in, uh, uh, with some scheduling difficulties, but uh, I love being part of the AV nation community. And uh, thank you very much. I don't know if you've seen, I'm supporting an AV nation supporter uh, right here. Um, and thanks to, uh, to all the manufacturers and companies that support AV nation. This is a great, uh, great service you do for our community, Tim. Thank you, sir. And if you, if you're, if you're listening to the
0: podcast, he was showing a an, an Extron S3 uh, cup that I actually have one of those too. Um,
1: how do people uh, find you and or uh, uh, Westbury National? Uh, Westbury National is based in Toronto. We are westbury.com. Um, I can be reached there. Uh, you'll also see me uh, from time to time on Twitter where I am at Brock McGinnis. From time to time. He's very humble on that. He's, he's there. Uh, and,
0: and again, the, the AV and the AM conversation is, is, is a really good conversation. Uh, and, and Brock is is really, well, it depends on the week, obviously, but we heavenly not heavily involved in that. Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir.
3: Thanks. Great to be on again. Good to see you all. Uh, You can find me on Twitters. And Sound Associates at Infocom. Yes. Well, I was getting to that, but (laughs) I can be found on on the Twitters. Uh, I'm at at Tucker2s, uh, but I will be at Infocom, both manning the booth for the company. We're for Sound Associates at uh, booth number 5542. Uh, and I will be teaching a class on Wednesday, the June the 2nd, uh, 12th, sorry, June the 12th. Uh, it's, it's MT, Michael Thomas, 45. And that's, uh, it's about uh, accessibility systems for theater and cultural institutions. So it's everything about the setup, the laws, the requirements. Excellent. Yeah. Uh,
0: Mr. Billheimer, thank you, sir, as always. Appreciate it. Uh, how do people find you and or Pershing?
2: Uh, well, the simple answer is, uh, it's actually very difficult to find me, but I have no social media presence whatsoever, but, uh, you can, if you wish to get in touch with Pershing Tech and talk about security, AV or how attractive Tim Albright is, we are at pershingtech.com. I'm not sure that's a valid
0: valid use of that website. Um, you're also, (laughs) uh, you're also teaching a class at Infocom. So how do people find you there? I am.
2: Uh, I will be on Super Tuesday. Uh, that's the eleventh, uh, from one to three in, I believe, Whiskey Three O Seven Charlie Delta. Um, we are going to be talking about open source in AV, and not just using Linux, but even such outrageous concepts as divining, devis devising open source control systems and distributing them completely open source to your customers and the community. So I'm sure it'll be greatly appreciated within the Infocom community.
0: I I think the the more and more end users that come to Infocom, I think that I would argue that that they would find it. Um, They would at least appreciate it. I'm not sure about the control manufacturers, but we can have that conversation.
2: (laughs) Look forward to seeing
0: everybody there. Absolutely. Uh, for me, for aviation, Nation, don't go, uh, don't follow me uh, on the Twitters at this point. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that uh, St. Louis gets beyond uh, Dallas in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but for us, for aviation, Nation, go by the website avianation.tv. Avianation.tv, there you will find our list of supporters. Uh, these are the companies that help us financially, and we do appreciate their financial support. Help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week. And about five weeks' time, all things Infocom 2019. Uh, while you're there, you can also. Uh, register for our annual tweet up uh, we call it a walkthrough uh, party from four to six on Wednesday June 12th a bunch of folks come in you you kind of as you're going to your next event come by uh, come by the room uh, and uh, grab a drink grab some, something to eat uh, shake hands and, and trade business cards with folks a week. You can register there, and that is also brought to you by Infocom and, and uh, Steren Marketing, so we appreciate that. Our next webinar is May 22nd on AV over IP, looking at the specs and what you need to know, actually, as you head into the Infocom show uh, in June, so check that out. You can register there as well. All that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.